Hello and welcome to the Respiratory Inspirations podcast. I'm your host, Raed Wake, chairman of the Respiratory Institute at Cleveland Clinic. This podcast of short, digestible episodes is intended for patients and their families and covers topics related to respiratory health and disease. My colleagues and I will be interviewing experts about timeless and timely topics in the areas of lung disease, severe critical illness, allergy, sleep, and infectious disease. Our goal is to help you stay informed in order to take better care of yourself and your loved ones. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of Respiratory Inspirations. I'm your host, Tri Dwake, Chairman of the Respiratory Institute, and my guest today is Dr. Shemita Kartri, who will be talking to us about the environmental impact on the lung. Dr. Kartri is the Vice Chair of the Respiratory Institute and directs our Comprehensive Asthma Center and has had a long passion about the impact of the environment on the lung and lung diseases. Dr. Kartri, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward really to hearing from you. I know you've been working on this uh, area for a long time, you know, at every level, the patient, the institution, and even advocacy at the local and national level. So tell me, how did you get even involved in this in the first place? Well, I appreciate being here. And it's interesting, you don't realize how long you might have cared about the environment until you have a look back in the rearview mirror. And so I was reflecting on this just yesterday, and I realized I I grew up with childhood asthma, and it was really bad around environmental tobacco smoke. And that's when everybody smoked and party, and even we had ashtrays in the house. And it didn't take long before. I mean, really. I remember those days, yeah. yeah. Right. And I and you were like not a good host if you didn't have an ashtray. And then when they realized I couldn't breathe, then those went out the door. And then, oddly enough, I am allergic to legumes. So I'm of Indian descent, first generation. I think the only reason I'm alive is that I was born and brought up here because I'm allergic to Indian food being cooked. Oh, my yes, God. Yes, like all these that. legumes. Yeah. Yes. When it aerosolizes, um, yeah. like at all those wonderful street vendors or people's homes, I would go into an asthma attack. And so... That, on top of the biomass burning, it was quite uh, quite a medical adventure to go visit my grandparents. You know, we'd have our alupent and our theodors that I could barely swallow. And I, we all of us in the family became keenly aware of being careful of our environment. And I had to manage my airways disease. So I guess that's when it began. And I still think about the state of affairs in all of the countries where pollution is a problem, including here, and thinking about how many other kids and adults have these issues when it comes to to breathing and the environment. Well, wouldn't you know it, here I thought I was going to be a pediatrician, but I ended up being a lung physician and then following the footsteps of my mentor, become interested in asthma clinical research and really learn to respect the airway and uh, how much homeostasis it takes to keep it healthy and decided to actually eventually study ozone effects on the lung, not really in the laboratory, but more in the laboratory of Atlanta, Georgia. And we did a little study and saw that people who were healthy versus people with asthma who were in higher ozone areas, even within air quality levels that were okay, according to standards, that they were having inflammatory markers. And I was fascinated. First of all, I was just having fun doing the research. And then it was just a big aha moment that even when air quality is within guidelines, that in people with asthma who don't have enough antioxidant potential, enough defenses, they were actually still affected by the air pollution. Well, 
being a storyteller, as you can probably tell by now, I wanted to take this information and spread it. And I started engaging with nonprofit organizations, starting to talk to patients, starting to talk in public venues. And so one of my biggest passion is not just understanding it and taking care of people with airways disease, but also spreading knowledge in a knowledgeable way or an understandable way, I would say, so that people can have better control over how they feel every day and that it's not in their head and it's not their fault, but this is how we can manage it. And this is, oh, by the way, you can call your congressman and, and do a little something about it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, you mentioned asthma. Of course, you have the asthma, but also you direct the asthma center mm -hmm. at the clinic. Are there any other diseases, uh, you know, patients with other lung diseases that can be impacted by the environment as well? Mm -hmm. Well, naturally, a lot of people with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, which is emphysema and chronic bronchitis, they also have airway inflammation, are very sensitive to the environment, not only to pollution, but other toxins, as well as extremes in temperature, very cold and very hot. Also, uh, people with lung cancer, they may have not got it, gotten it just from tobacco smoke exposure, which is common, but also from radon. In addition, lung disease from occupations such as silicosis, coal miners, people working in factories and people working in paint, around paint, they can get lung disease from that too. So because the lungs really rely on the environment and, and take it in, most people do okay, but many people don't. And so just to be aware of when you have symptoms, where do I work? Where do I go? What do I do? That helps your physician help you feel better. Yeah, that's uh, very important. Yeah, thank you. Other thing that uh, I'd like to uh, highlight to our audience is the link between environmental exposure, you know, and bad effects on the environment on the lung and the weather and the climate. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear about a lot now about climate change, etc. And I, how are they, those related? Mm -hmm. Are they related? And if so, how? Yeah, in many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, apart from just the change, the extremes in temperature, if we talk about those polar vortex days. We used to have you know, snow days, but now we have extreme cold days, you know, when you talk about people missing school, because these extreme changes in temperature due to weather patterns because of changes in wind currents and how warm the lakes are and, and the oceans are versus not, you see extreme cold. And then you see extreme heat because you have areas where there's not enough vegetation because there's a lot of urbanization. And so that affects people. In addition, if you have allergies, interestingly enough, the longer springs and the shorter falls and longer winters that are milder, in areas where people have a lot of allergies, like I know the Midwest, we're really ripe with allergies, these allergenic plants, these plants that create pollen become more strong in its pollen strength. And so people have noticed that their allergies are worse and their symptoms linger and they're having to start their antihistamines earlier in like near the end of winter. And so not having a good frost, that affects those types of plants and vegetation. And then of course, we've seen those extreme weather events. We saw Hurricane Katrina 20 years ago. We're seeing hurricanes even more and more frequently now. And then you're seeing flooding. That obviously causes conditions of poor health because of the mold from the dampness. And then farther down the line, people don't have access to care because of roads being blocked and, and infrastructure being affected. So it's just the whole spectrum of health and good public health is affected by these extreme weather events. And there's an interest because we're seeing it. 
seeing the subways flooded in Manhattan was such a wake-up call. I mean, the world is suffering, and we've got to wake up and take care of it. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. We all have to do our part, you know, in in preventing this from getting worse. You talked about, you know, when we think environmental exposure, we think going outside and, you know, inhaling whatever is out there, whether it's mm-hmm. pollen or car exhaust or whatever. But I've heard from you in our other podcast about the multiple levels of exposure, even indoor, outdoor, in utero even. Can you tell mm-hmm. us more about... You know, these types of exposure, I heard you use the word, the medical term exposome, but mm-hmm. basically it's exposure to everything everywhere. Can yeah. you tell us more about that to our uh, yeah. audience? It's yeah. very helpful because when growing up, right, our generation, when we study environmental science, it's lakes and waters and weather. But really, environment is more than that. We like to use the word exposome because we talk about that in health. And it's really the environment to which an individual is exposed And it considers all exposures of an individual in a lifetime and how those exposures relate to health. It can be, as you mentioned, it can be outdoor pollution, it can be indoor pollution. I mean, about 93% of our time is spent indoors. And, you know, what kind of carpeting do we have? Who smoked in the house? What's off-gassing? You know, is there good ventilation? That makes a big difference. By the way, I think it was 89% of our time is indoors, but I think in the pandemic, it was like 99%. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So indoor pollution Not became... Not anymore. People are out and about. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. They were tired of that. But then, as you mentioned, what in utero, you know, what if your mother is exposed to certain antibiotics or had a certain viral in- infection or happened to smoke, all of those affect your development in utero. And then, of course, after postnatal, if you're around the similar environment, that affects your overall health as well. And then childhood versus adulthood. You know, as a child, your lungs are growing and it's exposed and it may blunt its rate of growth. And then as we get older, I think, but isn't isn't it all downhill from 25, I think, when it comes to the lungs? (laughs) That age keeps expanding. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not... how old you are. Right, right. You're as old as you (laughs) think you are. So, yes. And then after that, there's like a steady decline, which is age appropriate. But then, you know, you don't want to hasten that decline either. So... We have to be thoughtful about the air we breathe. Yes, and clearly this is something I think on top of a lot of people's minds, climate change, environmental change, impact on diseases, the lung and beyond. I know we're focusing on lung disease today, but it affects many other diseases as well. You know, I'd like you to kind of take us to what can we do about this, you know, for at in multiple levels, you know, maybe can start with what can we do at the, I know you're an advocate for environmental protection and for, for lung health and beyond. Like, what can we do at the policy and government level, for example? If you're interested, engage more. If this is something you care about, take it to a different level, like being involved with advocacy and, and working with nonprofit organizations who help champion your cause. If you're not interested, I think just being more aware at least, and and everyone seems to think like there's nothing I can do. It can be somewhat intimidating because Mm -hmm. after you see subways flooding in Manhattan and the hurricanes in the South and the destruction, it it creates eco-anxiety. And when something seems unable to be tackled, it's easy to feel paralyzed. So just do what you can, learn what you can, help people contribute to their environmental improvement, but also in your own daily life, 
think about, you know, if you can buy a hybrid vehicle, do it. If you can buy an electrical vehicle, electric vehicle, do it. Make sure your environment is clean. Try to take public transportation. I really wish we had a better public transportation infrastructure because these wide, wide highways and cars are really a big problem. So limiting car tra- traffic. I'm seeing more bicycles uh, out on the streets, so be careful out there. But then wear a helmet, but you know, maybe don't burn as many fossil fuels. So it's, I don't want it to be about what you shouldn't do, but what you can do that helps you, your health, and the environment, and just to be a little bit more thoughtful about that. And honestly, being busy at work or whatever you're doing, it's a lot easier just to engage with an organization that's already doing the work that can help you amplify the cause. So if you are a patient with a lung disease uh, or a family member of a patient with lung disease, what kind of conversation should you have with provider, your provider, your primary care physician, your pulmonologist or who takes care of you about the environmental impact on your lung disease? Mm -hmm. What kind of topics you should advise these Mm -hmm. patients and families to talk about? Mm -hmm. Well, you have to go from beyond, from beyond being the clinician as a provider as a healthcare provider, to becoming an educator, an explorer, to see, you know, what are the things that are around, they're around, and then to be an advisor to empower them to say, okay, these are what you're around, this is why, how you might be able to reduce this exposure or that exposure, or have you thought of doing this? And sometimes it comes up when you first meet them, because it is so obviously relevant, but then it can be the next time around, as they've become more aware. So we have to have our talking points down and we can't sit there and give them an environmental science lecture, of course, but just basics on pollution and particle matter and air and, and exercising not in the middle of the day on a roadway, you know, having some good choices and then making sure that your health is well managed so that you can engage in these kinds of activities every day. Yeah, so let's revisit that. I think you started giving some personalized advice to individual patients and families. So maybe let's visit that and see like practical advice. Mm-hmm. You know, I have asthma or I have COPD mm-hmm. and I live, you know, in an urban area or whatever. So what practical things I can do to help, you know, in addition to seeing my physician, mm-hmm. taking my medications, what can I do to minimize the impact of pollution and the environment on my lung disease? Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, we do have to think about how much the indoor environment affects us. So I'm just imagining an apartment or a home or a shared living area. Just reducing clutter is a big, big part of it so that there's less dust. Dust is such a prominent issue. Also reducing dampness and mold because that mold uh, causes ongoing issues and often is is hidden. Then making sure that it's smoke-free and you're living in smoke-free housing. And then the the furniture and the carpeting you have is not off-gassing a lot of volatile organic compounds. So that's indoor. And on on an outdoor scale, what I would suggest is if you know you're going to be somewhere where you're vulnerable, make sure you have your medications with you. Try and go when it's not too crowded. Go when the roads are less busy and and engage more with nature as long as you've taken your antihistamine if you're allergic. But just a little bit more thoughtfulness so that you don't go and then be affected, but be more preventively managing it. And then it builds upon itself. If you get sick and then the next time you get sicker and sicker and sicker, if if you never allow yourself to get that point, 
then you'll actually enjoy yourself and not perpetuate a vicious cycle. But this is all very individualized, of course. What are your thoughts? I have my patients ask me all the time about HEPA filters, mm-hmm. air conditioning, and even humidifiers. Mm-hmm. What, what are your recommendations yeah. for patients and families about those devices? I believe that they are quite helpful. True HEPA filters uh, should not be mistaken with air purifiers. So often air purifiers give you that freshly rain smell, which is actually an ozone generator, which is obviously not what we want. Ozone is a pollutant. And we've seen cases where people have bought that and actually they get worse. So you're looking for HEPA filters because it reduces the particles in the room, including the allergies and soot and, and pollution. So fan of that. As far as air conditioning, yes in the humidity, and if you're living near a lot of traffic, there's nothing else that can really protect you in your envelope. And you may not want a whole lot of air exchanges because then you're bringing in more outside air because unfortunately, no matter what you do, a certain amount of your indoor pollution comes from the outdoors. And then the dehumidifier, I'm a fan. Drier environments are generally better, but then some people need some areas of, of humidity for their you know, sinus conditions, et cetera. But you know what? One other simple thing to do, like I said, not just declutter, but just taking your shoes off at the door, it mm. reduces a lot of the indoor particulate pollution after you've gotten rid of the smoker. <laughs> One other thing, I just since you mentioned dehumidifiers, mm-hmm. I think I want to mention humidifiers because mm-hmm. we really don't like them as pulmonologists mm-hmm. because they may mm-hmm. introduce mold, etc. Right. Can you comment on that? Good. Yeah, I think it's it's a delicate balance because when it comes too dry, people at night can't breathe. So it's just a certain percent of humidity and it's somewhere like around 30% and not more. If you can keep it at that, that's usually better. And then it's, of course, individualized. But if you're going to need a little humidifier, I would just not put it in the whole whole house. I would keep it where you're immediately sleeping if that's what you need. All right. Anything else? I think this has been uh, really a very informative uh, podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing your knowledge. Anything else you'd like to leave our audiences with before we close this? Don't be intimidated by the environment. Be willing to understand it and work around what you need to to have fun the best you can being outside. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Katri. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us today. Again, my guest was uh, Dr. Shemita Katri, the Vice Chair of the Respiratory Institute and the Director of our Comprehensive Asthma Center. And our topic today was uh, the impact on the environment on the lung. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Respiratory Inspirations. For more stories and information from the Cleveland Clinic Respiratory Institute, you can follow us on Twitter at Clee Clinic Lungs or follow me at Triadwake MD. Thank you. <music>